Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai, entrepreneur, wife, and mother of three, once divorced and now remarried to a much younger man, uncut and uncensored with Caroline Stanbury follows me as I live my life unapologetically and shows you that there is life after 40. I'm here to let you know that not only is there a life after divorce, but you have the power to make it your best one yet, just like I did. So buckle up and join me for the wild ride. Welcome back to another episode of Uncut and Uncensored with Caroline Stanbury. And I'm super proud and excited to have in person with me today, Regan Hillier, who is a serial entrepreneur, philanthropist, and energetic coach. She has also created the world's number one manifestation method, energetic architecture method, which we'll go into later. But she has managed to change her life completely from having $8 in her bank account to turning over this year more than $42 million. I'm in completely in awe of this number. And um, you, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Can you explain to us, because I think, you know, this is something I've been working on a lot. And I really, truly believe that everything that you see around you, I have manifested myself from a very young age, not consciously, very Mm -hmm. unconsciously. And I think that, you know, I try to explain it to people and I do vision boards and all of this and, you know, the steps to manifestation and what it actually is, because I feel like people kind of think it's sort of a magic wand, which it's not. It's definitely not. You know, I believe that every single human is a manifester. Like you said, you've manifested everything, even if it was unconscious. So some people think that, oh, it's some like God-given gift that some people have and some people don't, or it's some like magic pill or magic wand, but actually it's a science It's and it's an art. It's a fusion, right? And it's a practice. And there are certain steps that you can actually like follow and do and implement in your life. And then you see the results to that. So it's something also that anyone can learn as well. Do you feel that it sort of hits you at a certain stage in life because I feel like in my sort of 20s and 30s, I was in this sort of rat race of wanting to be somewhere for money, for power, for ego, as it were. Mm. And everyone says to me, since I've got here and sort of zenned out a little bit in Dubai, that I'm a different human. And that's when I sort of let all this stuff into my life. And I sort of looked at it a little harder and sort of understood what was happening around me rather than, you know, just woke up and going, oh, I I sort of saw that in my dream before. Um, Now I can recognize that I have manifested that. Yeah, I think the more that people really remember that they are actually in control of creating their reality, like that's such a powerful, powerful thing. Like with everything we have in our life and everything we don't have, we've manifested. 
So even if there's something in your life right now and you're not happy with it, you've actually called that in. You've created that on some level. And people don't realize that. I think when they realize that, whoa, hang on, actually, if I take full, complete responsibility consciously for everything that's there and everything that's not there, you come into this place where you realize like, whoa, hang on, I can actually change that if I don't like it. And people stop being the victim at that point where they just go, oh, you know, he did this to me or my life is terrible or this or that. And instead of playing out that victim vibration, they can actually take their power back and be like, okay, that happened. It happened for a reason. What is there to learn from it? And from this place, I can actually change it. (laughs) That's very interesting. You just said that because that actually was coming to me, which was the victim mode because, you know, dealing with as many women as I do, say, let's take divorce, for example. There are some women that go into victim mode and simply spend the rest of their life working out how they can like somehow kill their ex-husband for moving on and for having a life. And he's never looked back. And let me tell you, ladies, he's never looked back. And the more you go into that mode doesn't make him look back. No, the opposite. (laughs) Yes. So, you know, but some women never pull themselves out of that. And actually I had a very interesting DM yesterday from a woman who said to me, you know, all my friends are going, because I've just separated Caroline and all my friends are going, it hasn't hit you yet. It hasn't hit you yet. And she goes, and maybe it hasn't. And like, what if I do fall down and I, it it is a disaster. And I said, I said, what are you talking about? If it hasn't hit you yet, it's not going to, it didn't hit me. (laughs) I did my grieving in the marriage. If you've come out of it and you feel better, then, you know, this is a sign. And I think that that some people want you to not find your power. What I'm trying to ask actually, is it a, inner voice? Is it quietening the inner voices or is it because, or is it simply writing things down? Because I write things down. I, I helicopter myself. I pull myself out of funks. Like, what do you think is the most powerful tool we have in ourselves to do that? Because some people can, and some people simply Mm. cannot pull themselves out. Absolutely. Well, I think the first step is like realizing that you have a choice. You know, for so many people, They don't even get to the tools because they think they don't have a choice. They think they're just like, oh, I'm the victim. Like, my life is terrible. This is happening. Poor me, da, da, da. And we can't blame people that are thinking like that. I thought like that for many years because society sets you up in that way. Like, we're not taught in school to take our power back and believe anything is possible and and go beyond our internal reality and and condition ourselves to rise into this next level. Like, that's, that's just not what's happening in our society. So it's also normal. But that's the first step. It's like realizing like, okay, if I don't like something, then I have a choice as to how I choose to respond to this because it's never what's happening to us. It's how we're choosing to respond. And are we in an unconscious reaction, which is built off our past and our family and our fears and all of these limits, right? Or are we taking a step back and observing and being like, "Mm, okay, this is really challenging right now. How do I choose to respond? Am I going to get stuck in this energy? And am I going to be super bitter and angry for the rest of my life? Am I going to want revenge on someone or not? Like that's only going to hurt the person that's, that's in that energy, not the person you're actually directing it to, right? So you have that choice. And after that, then you can say literally, okay, what can I do right now in order to take my power back? And that can look different for everybody. Maybe that is going into say, a meditation practice every day. Maybe you don't like to meditate. Go for a walk. Maybe it's moving your body. Maybe it's getting in nature. Maybe it's surrounding yourself with amazing people that uplift your energy. It doesn't always have to be this like 
deeply spiritual practice where you meditate in a cave for 10 years. Like maybe if you want or not, maybe it's just like being around people that raise your spirits, right? But have that choice, make that choice, and then ask yourself, what do I get to give myself right now to support this different choice that I'm making in my life? So what was it do you feel that sort of triggered you? How old were you when you sort of really harnessed your power and what triggered you to sort of change the way you looked at life? Yeah, you know, I don't think it was one moment. I think it's like so many series of moments that I've kind of woken up these next layers of our power. I I think I'm still waking it up. I think everyone's always on this journey of like coming even more into alignment, more in connection with their soul, even more in their power, right? So I'm still on that path. But for me, I was very young this first moment. I was um, studying to be an architect at university. And I was literally studying architecture because I didn't know as a 17, 18-year-old what I wanted to do with my life, like most 17, 18-year-olds, right? And my parents were like, well, you have to go to university. And my dad always said, you know, if I had your opportunities, I would have been an architect. So I went to go and be an architect in an unconscious reaction to make my dad happy, basically. And I went into this university lecture hall and this lecturer started taking us through a process. It was a guided meditation and I'd never done a visualization or a vision board or nothing before. And he got us to picture our future 20 years out as the architect that we were born to be. And everyone got really excited. And I closed my eyes and I literally saw the worst case scenario for me possible. Like I saw myself in this job doing something I didn't like very much, like super unhappy at midnight. Like I just saw the worst case scenario. And I had this moment where it's like my body just like got up out of the room. And it was like this voice was just like vibrating in my head. It was like, get out just get out, right? And so I walked out of that room and for the first time ever, I started asking myself, okay, why am I actually here? Like, how do I live a life where I'm actually happy? It didn't start with this huge, big, grand vision and millions of people and this and that. Like, no, it was just like, I want to be happy in my life. And I knew that that path that I was on wasn't going to get me there. And so I picked up the phone and I called my dad and I was like, I'm not going to do it. Like, I, I, I don't think I'm meant to be an architect. And to my surprise, he was like, okay, like I support you. I want you to be happy. And then he's like, Regan, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, just give me a minute, <laughs> right? Because I had absolutely no idea. But I feel like that was my very first moment of taking my power back from society, from my family, and just making a choice, even though it was really scary because I didn't have the answers. And even when my dad was like, what are you going to do with your life? I was like, I have no idea. But I made that choice regardless. You know, that was like the first layer for me. I think that's really important because if we listen hard to ourselves and our gut, so many times, you know, when you're in the wrong place, I certainly have, where to the rest of the world, you're in exactly the right place. It's really odd. And I've, I had a very powerful moment like that just in my old marriage, actually, not in a job. but And I've had it in a job, actually, where I thought I got everything I wanted, where I built this big company and I had all these, you know, people working for me. And I was, you know, on the front cover of magazines in England and all of this kind of stuff, doing what I thought I'd always wanted to do. 
But I understood that was my ego and not what I actually loved doing because anyone that's ever built a massive business understands that genuinely, you know, when you start something out of passion, you end up doing the bits you don't really love in the end, um, which comes down to HR and managing people and the things I didn't want to do. And you end up somewhere you you didn't see yourself. Mm. And so when I learned how to pivot and change was the time that exactly like you, I suppose, I just stood up and I understood I'm not meant to be here. And when you admit it to yourself the first time, it's it sort of snowballs to take you out of there. Yeah. You know, I, I was on holiday with my ex-husband, my children. I was in Thailand looking at the stars in the most beautiful hotel that anyone else would be. And it wasn't that I wasn't grateful. It's mm-hmm. not about, I think the other thing is that people want to manifest money yeah. and instead of the core of which is happiness, because if you're happy, the money will flow. Yeah. I I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And even if you manifest a lot of money, but it's not in alignment with your purpose and your mission and your happiness, like in my opinion, like none of it counts. Like, you know, I I went on and after I left that university room, I started literally Googling, like, how do I quit my nine to five job? Like I didn't even have one. Right. But I was like, I need to get out of the system. Right. And that threw me into the personal development world. And then if I fast forward quite a bit, I started my own company. And when I was 23 years old, that's when I made my first million dollars. I created a seminar company and I was running live events through Australia and New Zealand. And I was good at it and people were getting results, but I didn't love it. And the people that I was working with were fine, but they weren't like my soulmate clients. I I, I wouldn't like finish a session and want to hang out with them and go to dinner. It was work. It was like, okay, now I'm a little drained. Now I need to leave, Right. And I had this moment where I had 50 people that had come to this event that had paid thousands of dollars to come and be there with me. And I remember standing outside the room and I went to put my hand on that door handle and I just like did not want to go inside. And I had this like feeling, this like deep gut feeling in my stomach that just something wasn't right. And it was the same feeling that I felt at university. And it was really confusing because I was like, whoa, I thought this is what I wanted. I started my own business. I've made a million dollars. Everyone's telling me like, wow, you're so young. Like, you must be so proud. You must be so happy. I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, what is this? And I obviously went and fulfilled the event. But straight after that, the next day, I flew to Bali, actually. And I I was like, you know what? I'm just going to unplug. And I just left everything for like three to four weeks. And I started asking myself some deeper questions around like, what do I actually want? What is my mission? What is my purpose? What would truly make me happy? Like, why am I here? And I ended up walking away from that company and completely like starting everything from scratch again, even though everyone was like, what are you doing? You're self-sabotaging yourself. You should be grateful. But I knew there was something more. And I just knew that something wasn't right as well. It wasn't worth the money, basically. I think that's a very interesting point because when from the outside you see the big house or you see the big business and you see everything, and that was everything at the time I wanted, the you know, 2.4 children, the, the big, you know, the Range Rover, the giant house, the this, the that, because I was in that rat race of keeping up with my friends. Yeah. Then when you get it and you've just got it and you're going to work every day and I was definitely on burnout because I was everything to everyone. I was like, I don't think this is worth it. I remember sitting in my bathroom, locking myself in my bathroom from my kids, my husband, my every, everything at the time going, I can't, I can't do this. I, this is the rest of my life. It's only going to get bigger from here. Yeah. And that's true. Like, be careful what you wish for mm-hmm. because you just might get it. You just might get all of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it's funny because it was taken, I, I had a very sort of abrupt end to my business where there was some infighting with the investors and then it blew up. But anyway, long story short. But at the time, I didn't see it as a blessing. I was like, oh my God, this is a disaster. And everyone sort of lost their job and I got sued by a civil liquidator and all of this kind of stuff. And when I came out of it, I'm like, this is the best thing that could have happened to yeah. me. Because I would never have walked away because I couldn't. Yeah. Because you're a slave to it. Yeah. Can't let all those people down. Mm -hmm. But, you know, now I, and I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in this house. I wouldn't be in Dubai. I wouldn't be in Housewives doing all the stuff that I'm doing, building in Bali. Wouldn't have met Sergio. Yeah. I mean, so many things led me here that were out of my control or not even led me, pushed me here. Yeah. It's crazy to really think back and think, you know, those weren't choices that I made. Someone made them for me. Yeah, exactly. And often when like we're operating from our limits, like when we're operating from what society expects of us or our family conditioning or even from our fears or from our ego, like we still manifest, right? And so we still create all these things, but sometimes you need to like burn it down and blow it up and get out of it to realize like, whoa, <laughs> right. Okay. Thank you for that lesson. But there's something greater for me. There's something even more in alignment. There's something even more shiny and magical and big and amazing. But sometimes you have to like get out of it to be able to see that, you know? It's summer ladies. So it's the worst time to suffer with uncomfortable bras. I mean, I try not to wear them anyway because I can't bear getting home at the end of the day and trying to rip it off. But thankfully, I've discovered Honey Love. It's revolutionized the bra game. Upgrade from traditional bras that use uncomfortable underwire and bulky fabrics that trap heat. Honey Love's bras feature support bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing the lift. It's a game changer. Plus, they're made with fabric so soft, it feels like a second skin. You'll immediately feel and see the difference. It's so next level, you'll actually forget you're wearing it. So I can actually sleep in mine, which is amazing. And not only that, it kind of doesn't give you that sort of uni boob and separates them and lifts them. And so it's great if you've got fake boobs like me and, and get sleep lines at night to sleep in because it holds your breasts apart. For a limited time, you can get Honey Love on sale Treat yourself to the best shapewear on the market and save 20% off honeylove.com forward slash uncut. Use your link to get 20% off honeylove.com forward slash uncut. Cinched, snatched, lifted. It's hot girl season, ladies. Thanks to Honey Love. Let's get back to the show. Hi, friends. I'm Cameron Rogers, host of Freckles Beauty and Friends podcast, which is now on Dear Media. Are you wondering what just happened to your life after having a baby or struggling with your mental health during postpartum? That was me just a few months ago. Are you working on healing your relationship with yourself, your body, and or food? Same. We are all on a journey to self-love and acceptance, and I'm right there with you. That's what Freckled Foodie and Friends is all about, reminding you that no matter what, you are not alone. Make sure to tune in for season five, launching with Dear Media on November 9th and subscribe to listen to new episodes every Wednesday morning. I think sometimes those journeys, as you said, you're doing Costa Rica and I know it's like, it's so far out of my, everyone thinks of me as sort of this sort of shiny housewifey person. But, you know, I went to Bali last year with, with Sergio and we didn't, you know, you, you don't take anything there obviously. And you don't, you know, it's such a different world to the one I live here because it's just 
take off, there's no shoes, you're on a motorbike, you're going across. It's just anyone that's ever been to Bali, it's just a bit life-changing, I suppose, yeah. because you just don't care. And I think that's so refreshing because you're taught to care about everything, the way we look, wearing makeup every day, all doing all of these things. You know, we don't do that over there. I don't do that over there. And it's so freeing to be out of that, you know, out of this whole rat race. And, you know, even moving here when I knew no one, I felt like that. But now, of course, Dubai has become the epicenter of the world, really, yes. isn't it? Yeah. Everyone wants to be here. It's kind of like, it's good to be able to run away from that again. Yeah, absolutely. How do you keep, or how do you feel that you keep your your feet on the ground in a world like this, and then doing what you do where you have to stay connected, so connected to your inner voice and soul? Yeah, you know, this is part of why we live in Costa Rica as well, because it's very similar to Bali. It's, it's the same, like we're in the jungle, we're looking out over the ocean, there's waterfalls and fruit trees and animals. And it's so amazing. And I feel like when you're in nature and when you connect to nature, you you get back to your pure essence as well. Like it's sometimes even easier to tap into like your truth and your soul and who you really are without the mass and all the things. And I think that's also what you're saying about Bali. It's just like, you're just you there, you know? And, and you get to be like, that, that fullest natural expression of you. And then of course, you know, it's great to play in all the worlds. I love coming to Dubai. I love them flying to Europe. I love, we're going to India next week as well. Like, and speaking there at a huge event, like I love all of it. And I feel the, the contrast is amazing. But for me, like when you connect with the nature, something just activates within you. Like even walking outside your house. And the first thing you said was like, I'm so excited. Like there's this river outside. It's the most favorite part of this whole huge, beautiful house, right? Why? Because it's that connection to the purity of nature, which connects us to the purity of our soul and the purity of who we really are at the end of the day. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm huge on that too. I grew up in countryside and so I wanted to have, I can't live in the city. I need to see a tree. I need yeah. to see green. It just regrounds me. But, you know, if someone's coming to you, Regan, and sort of like they have no idea what manifestation is. I mean, it's become quite hip now and everyone's talking about it, but nobody really knows. Yeah. And everybody kind of goes, okay, I'm I'll do my vision board and put it in the present tense and all of this kind of stuff. What what is your method? The the method that you have come up with, and why has it become so successful for mm. people? You know, what are the steps? For sure, yeah. So the energetic architecture method it's a series of different activations and processes that people go through. But the core fundamentals of it is step number one: get really clear on your vision. And this is not the vision that you think your vision should be, like from your mind, like we talked about, or from your ego, or from these limitations, like. If you were to unapologetically ask the world for what you really wanted, what would you ask for? If there was no limitations, if there was no like, oh, well, I did this, so I guess the next step is that, or this should be this, right? What would you actually want, right? So that's the really first step because so many people never get what they manifest because they never actually ask for what they want. And it sounds so crazy, but people aren't drawing like that line in the sand and being like, this is it. So the next yeah, step but to I that, mean, yeah. like when you say that, like if you're uh, in your 20s and you say, I want to be the president of the uh, United States, like, I mean, how far are you going with this? 
Well, I mean, you can, if you really want to do that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> then you could do that. And look, maybe you won't become the president of the United States. Maybe you will. But if you don't, it might set you out on some sort of path towards something that's alive in you. Because a lot of times when you are younger, and I don't know when this started working for you, what age, you don't really know. Yeah. Like, how do you know? Like, I mean, if, if you said you can be anything today, I don't think I'd even know exactly what I want to do yeah. today. I mean, I have a I, I do have it in mind, but like where I want to go, actually, I'm clearer, but I'm 47. Yeah. So I'm much clearer today than I've ever been. And it's a lot less than I thought I wanted because, the, you know, there's a lot, it's a lot less complicated like that. Yeah. But when I was younger, if you'd asked me that, I'd probably want to be the owner of net or like, yeah. you know, I don't know. So like, how far are you telling you, you should start that specifically? I want to be Jeff Bezos or... Well, if, if that's your truth, then sure. But the thing is, people are never going to know what they want until they start trying things on. It's kind of like when you go shopping, you wouldn't just like be like, oh yeah, you know, I want this dress like this for this event, but I'm not even going to go like check it out or try it out. Like, I'll just order it and pay for it and like hope it fits. So you visualize where you want to be. Yes. And it's okay to also try on different visions. You know, like when I was 17, 18, 19, 20, like even into my mid-20s, I, I wasn't even quite sure what I wanted. And that's also okay. And I feel like even a lot of our children, like they're conditioned to stop dreaming. Like they're told at school often, like, don't daydream, like pay attention, focus on this thing that you don't like, right? And so there's often, people find it hard to dream sometimes. Like you ask a lot of people, like, what do you actually want? Sometimes they draw a blank. And so the only way to undo that blank is to start trying things on, to start saying, okay, well, maybe this, maybe that, maybe this, maybe that. But even like moving forward in your life and trying on different visions, it helps you get clarity, even if you get clear on what you don't want, you know. So then you, you see the future and then this is your vision board. What are the steps to manifesting? Like what yeah. can my listeners take away from this that would actually benefit them in a day? So, yeah, you, know. you could create a vision board and you could also write out like just journal. If I unapologetically asked for what I want in my life, I declare that I have this and this and this and this and this, and you can just get really clear on that. And the next step after you've gone into that clarity of the vision is to actually expand your capacity to receive. So we can only receive what we can hold energetically. And this is why a lot of people have a lot of like big dreams and visions and ideas, but they don't come into their life because they can't actually hold it. So this works energetically. It works with your mind. It works through every layer of your being. And one of, there's many ways to do this when you go into the method, but one of the ways that is very simple is if you, for example, in step number one, let's say, let's say it's $100,000 that mm -hmm. you desire to manifest, right? In order to expand your capacity to receive, what you would do is you would say, okay, if I woke up tomorrow and that 100K had manifested, it's here, I can see it in my bank account, like it's there, then what would be your next vision? What would be that next layer? Because you wouldn't be praying for $100,000, like it's already here. Maybe it's 120, maybe it's 150, right? I'm using money because it's such a measurable, easy example. And so you start going into that next layer and defining that. And it's also very normal at this point to feel like, whoa, like, that's very big. Or how do I tap into that? And, and that's a good thing if those feelings come up because it means your system is going into a state of expansion. Two questions. Yes. So number one, I've envisaged the 100,000. 
but you know in when you say then make it clearer or what the next step is like in my mind i would be going okay i'm going to go and put a deposit down on my house or i'm going to go and buy an apartment or i'm going to buy the car i wanted that's not what you do so you're skipping steps. I'm skipping steps. <laughs> we get to step number five, right, later, where you actually are going to take action on it because you can't just dream all of this, right? You have to actually go out there and do something and apply in your life and show up and make the phone call or invest in the thing or whatever it is. So we'll get there to step number five. And just because we are all impatient, and I think once we put something on a vision board, we somehow think it's going to literally be there in the morning, like Santa Claus. Yeah. How long do these things take you? Look, it depends. It depends on many things, but it also depends on how deep you go into each of these steps. So after you've expanded your capacity to receive and you've gone into the vision beyond the vision, the limit beyond the limit, right? You've gone into that layer of expansion. The next thing you want to do, which this affects a lot of the time how quickly something shows up, is you want to actually clear out anything that's blocking you from that. Because if you have a true vision, and you can feel it in your gut that this is like your path. This is what you're wanting to manifest. This is for you. Like you feel it. And it's not here right now. And it hasn't showed up like Santa Claus the next morning. It simply means that there's things within you that are blocking that and stopping you from manifesting that or slowing down the process. So someone that, for example, didn't go into step number three, which I'll tell you in a minute, it might take them a really long time because their limits are slowing down the process. And then someone who did a lot of work in this step maybe could manifest the same thing faster. So for step number three, you literally want to ask yourself, okay, what is blocking me, stopping me, slowing me down or holding me back from having that thing right now? And this is where you get really real with all of your human limitations, which we all have, right? These are the fears, the limiting beliefs, the self-doubt, the stories your family told you when you were younger, stories you're telling yourself right now, the self-sabotage patterns, the feeling you're not enough, like whatever it is, that is the stuff that you get to witness and see. And you can literally write this out, bring it from your unconscious reality where it's working on autopilot underneath the surface and bring it into your consciousness. And from this place, you can choose to release that. From this place, you can go, you know what? Okay, I can see that fear now. I'm not going to act from that fear. I'm not going to give that fear any more power. I'm going to choose to make different choices around that, right? But it's really important that we see these limits and we bring them to the surface. And we all have this. You know, it's almost like you're in the car and you're driving towards your vision. And then even when you're driving, you can see the vision beyond the vision. Like you're clear on where you're going, but you look in the rear vision mirror and you see that fear is in the back seat. And you have this moment where the fear can like try and cover your eyes. It can try and stop you from driving the car, right? Or you can get out and be like, oh my God, the fear is too much. I can't deal with this. I'm just going to like stay in my life as it is right now. Or you can be like, you know what? Thank you, fear. I know you're trying to keep me safe, but we're, I'm the driver of the car. Like we're moving forward. I kind of feel like it can be like that with people in your life too, because, you know, and especially with what I do, you're taught to be a little bit humble when you speak and sort of dim your, your light in yeah. a way. Or if you say that, you know, like we're building in Bali, right? So I'm not going to say I'm building a giant, you know, resort hotel. Oh no, it's just a little, uh, you know, I'm just going to Airbnb a little villa. Uh -huh. You know, you're taught to just sort of play everything down so that you don't upset the other people. Does that also affect your manifestation? It definitely does. Oh wow. Because you're literally, you're literally dulling down to the universe what you actually are worthy of because you're not fully owning it. You're not fully claiming it. Look, 
if you're building a beautiful big resort in Bali, it's not not humble to say, I'm building a big, beautiful resort in Bali. It's actually an integrity. It's the truth, if that is the truth, right? And so if someone else that's not you has a reaction to that, who feels all of a sudden not good enough or jealous or envious or whatever comes up for them, that's their stuff to look at. That is not your responsibility. If you say you're a bad person because you're not building a resort in Bali, no, that's not a kind, nice thing to say. But if you just simply say something as the truth for what it is in a gentle, kind, nice way, then someone else needs to put some sunglasses on if your light is too bright, as far as I'm concerned. How do you feel about, because a lot of people say this, I don't want to tell, say what I'm doing because I don't want to jinx it. If you have a belief that you're going to jinx something, then jinx you it. will. <laughs> so again, you can rewrite that story. So you could, for example, literally say, okay, I choose to believe that jinxing is not in my reality. I choose to believe that when I say something that I'm manifesting, it actually affirms it to the universe and it helps it come into fruition. You can rewrite that story and hold it in your conscious awareness so that that's no longer your reality. See, that's going to be my new reality. I'm sick of having to like dumb it down. And I think it also comes from not only that like fear that if it doesn't happen, you look like an idiot, right? Something Mm -hmm. goes wrong because something can always go wrong, obviously. But then I've learned in life that even if it goes wrong, it may not look the way I thought it was going to look, but somehow it still happens, but you've just pivoted into another spot. So that shouldn't be as embarrassing as that we find it. Why do we find it so embarrassing? embarrassing because we have a fear around what other people are going to think of us yeah and when you let that go and you truly stop caring it doesn't even matter yeah it has no that fear has no power over you anymore I'm learning that and that again see all of this comes with age it really does I don't know how you teach younger people to feel this way it's taken me a long time you know it took me a long time to go from just silly things just to be able to get divorced and the fear of what people would think right after as long as I'd been with my ex-husband to marrying someone 20 years younger to moving across the world for an English person this is like the most soulless you know, like I may as well be in Vegas, right? <laughs> right. You know, nobody, the, Dubai's awful. Yeah. How can you live here? Now, of course, they're all coming. Yeah. That's what's so funny. But, you know, these fears are things that I, I did anyway. I'm here. Yeah. But I was like, I'm the, I'm the first person from anyone I know from my background that's in Dubai. I'm the first person, one of the first people doing reality TV in Dubai where, you know, you, you're still sort of censored on what you can and cannot do, say, say so I, I do feel like I'm walking the walk, if, as it were. But there are things that still, you know, I go, if I walk into a room, I want to dumb it down or don't want to, you know, because people don't think she's so big for her boots or she thinks she's all that. Yeah. Once her name was Lisa Nichols. And at the end of a like private day with her, I said to her, I said, Lisa, what, we've talked about so much expansion, so many things I could do in my business, so many things to shift within me. I said, what's the one thing that you see in me that's holding me back that maybe I can't see? And she said, Regan, she said, you're still treading too lightly. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, you walk into a room and I can tell that you dim your light. You even like try and bring it down. And she was right. Like I was even, for example, not wearing certain clothes because I didn't want other women to feel like X, Y, Z, right? And, And I would bring it down like this. And she said to me, she said, you are bringing your own light down. You are contracting your own life. And she said, you're actually doing everyone else a disservice because if you truly stand in your light and you shine bright and you just own who you are and what you're doing, you're actually going to give other people permission to do the same. 
if they're ready to do that. And if they want to judge or have their own drama, they'll have their own drama. That's got nothing to do with you. That's that's their journey. But she's like, you are doing them a disservice. If you care about people, if you care about doing good things in the world, if you care about humanity, then shine your light a little brighter and stop treading so lightly. So when you shut the door on your, you know, speech that you didn't want to do anymore, what was your next journey? Where did you know that you had to get to? What was, you know, Regan, what what lit the fire in you from there then if you'd achieved absolutely what you thought you wanted and then knew you didn't want any of it? Yeah. I'd built this business and even though I was in it, it was it was like around this version of me that was not me. Like I would literally like dress for business and then go home or be with my friends and like I did that it's yeah. like it's like going a mask. To, to play yeah yeah like a play yeah like okay now I put this suit, suit on, and on. Do, yeah. like it was so crazy and so when I was in Bali and I was like okay what do I actually want I just realized honestly I want to be me and I was like okay who am I and I started asking all of these questions and so that's when I started out online and I launched my personal brand and I created Regan Hillier International which is like my core company today but I made a commitment that I was going to show up as me and if that was being in Bali with no makeup on wearing a bikini and then creating a video then so be it right and and it like threw me into this whole new like pathway and reality of being in integrity and being authentic in a way where I didn't realize how non-authentic I was being in that previous business. So how on earth, no no offense, I mean, I'm on an international TV show in however many countries, so people kind of find you. If you had just walked away from everything, decided to put an online brand with in the midst of everybody, yeah. how did people find you? <laughs> like, how do you stand out in today's world and make this personal brand as big as you have when, you know, there are a million of you. Yeah. Not you per se, but yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. For sure. Or well, competing, trying to do what you're totally. doing. Yeah. Well, I started from nothing and I knew nothing about social media or online business. I didn't even have an Instagram page at that time. I had a Facebook page with maybe like a thousand people on it from that previous business, which I wasn't even happy about because they were all the old people. I didn't like that much, right? And so I started completely fresh and I was like, okay, every single day I'm going to show up and I'm going to share an authentic message. That was my main commitment. I was like, I'm going to speak. I'm going to create content. I'm going to share what is truly in my heart. And I was still figuring out like, what is my message and what am I teaching and what is this and what gift do I have to the world? But I just decided to show up like daily, regardless of that. And even like, I remember, you know, if you go back about, I guess, nine, 10 years ago when I started online, I shaved half my head. So I had like a side shave here and then my long hair out here. And I specifically did that in an attempt to stand out as well. Right. And it felt authentic. It felt like I wanted to do that in my life. My, my authenticity was, how do I be a little different in this like sea of online yeah. sameness, basically, without like being on a TV show or a huge yeah. platform to kind of lift me up. It was just like <laughs> in the middle of nothing going for it. And, you know, it worked. It worked. Like people were like, oh, I love your energy. I love your vibe. Like, why did you shave your hair like that? You know, and I had that, I had that style for maybe four or five years. And then it felt out of alignment and I kind of came back to how it was, you know, but even little things like that, it was about listening to being that most authentic version and sharing that message and adding value on a daily basis. And then layer by layer, piece by piece, the audience grew, the following grew. There was no like 
big hit with half a million followers overnight, nothing. It was like a steady climb, you know. I think that's really important for people listening out there because I get a lot of, well, you came from a good family, you have money, you had money, you had choices. Mm. That's not necessarily true, but, you know, as in I don't think that I was given something that other people couldn't do other than maybe it made leaving a little easier. The TV show, everyone thinks it's a, you know, it, it does give you not fame, but a certain amount of notoriety, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean your personal brand is going to be an overnight success in any way, shape or form. So I think we're all starting from a place of trying to find today a way to you know, stand out. I mean, I think I know what, what, how I differ. I know what makes me stand out today compared to other women, but you know, and what probably why women follow me. And I think that is the most important thing to harness. And I think, you know, like you have been able to create something so powerful today for people to be able to follow and emulate. You're teaching Mm. it to it, to, to people, which is also, I think in today's world, so wonderful to be able to share your message. And a lot of people, I think once you start sharing your message with other people and and sort of not keeping it as mine, that also sort of opens so many doors for you. So many doors. Yeah. And it's about being authentic. Like, you know, I went through prior to coming here and just watched some of your reels and videos and just got a feel for your vibe and the, the podcast and the show and everything. And I can say, like to everyone listening, I walk in here and how you are as a human, you're exactly the same. It's not like, oh, now we're filming. So now you've completely changed versus when we were walking around your house half an hour ago. Like it's the same human, right? That's why it's working. Like so many people are putting this mask and they're trying to like be something online or on TV even or show up a certain way. But like when you're really you, like people, people really want that more than ever right now. There's so many just masks, even with their friends and their family and day-to-day life. Like if they find someone and they're like, this person is authentic. They might not even agree with every word that we say or every concept that we have or everything that we preach or teach. But if they can feel authenticity, they're like, I like them. I trust them. I want to be around them. So if you could give the people listening today who, you know, want to be able to change their lives in some way, what would you say or what could you give my listeners today as a takeaway? Like what would your first steps be for someone that feels truly stuck where they're not meant to be. And there is a lot of people out there today like this, and they're scared to make a move because, you know, with everything going on in the world, nothing is for granted. You know, maybe they're in a good job, but they don't like the job. They don't see a way out. They've got bills to pay. They've got kids. What do you say to people that need to get out? Well, you know, this actually ties in well to the fourth step of the manifestation process too. So remember, it's like getting clear on the vision, expanding your capacity to receive, clearing out the blocks and limitations. And then step number four is to actually recode and rewire your identity. So people need to remember that you can choose who you are each and every single day. And we forget this. We think that we're our name. We think that we're who we were yesterday. We think that we're our job. We think that we're our marriage. Like we forget that we can actually choose this. We have an identity and we can craft it. Now, what most people do is they stay where they're at and then eventually, gradually, after 5, 10 or 20 years, they evolve (laughs) and they have a breakthrough and they realize like, wow, I can be this version of myself. And then there's people like you and me who go, you know what, what if I was to simply connect with a higher version of me that's already out there in my future and choose to actually bring that identity and embody that version of me now? Now, this is not about faking it till you make it. This is about getting into 
authenticity and integrity with who you actually are. How do you, because the girls on my show use that a lot. How do you feel fake it? Do you make it? Because I'm not a big fan of that. Anymore. It doesn't yeah, work. It doesn't work. It absolutely doesn't work. It, it, it does not work. Like people still think it works, but if you do it this way instead, this is so much more effective. So think of you, okay, you're it now, right? And five years ago, you were you. And now if you fast forward to the now, to the future, you're still you. You've just evolved a little bit. Now, if we go five years out into your future from now, you're still going to be you, but you're going to have more lessons. You're going to be a more evolved version of yourself, obviously like younger and better looking because that's how it works, right? (laughs) So if you connect with that version, you can either evolve through those years, right? Or you can connect with that version and be like, okay, that version of me in the future, how does that version of me walk and talk and think and act? What do they say yes to? What do they say no to? What do they tolerate? What kind of marriage do they have? How does that version of me move my body? What do I eat? What do I care about? What's my family like? Like you write out those details and then you choose to act from that place. You choose to no longer tolerate that person around you that's treating you that way. You choose to no longer say, you know what? I'm going to go to that event because, you know, everyone said I should. You know what? That version of me isn't even in that job. I'm going to start looking for another job, right? And so you start acting from that place. But this is not like, okay, I'm going to fake I'm something I'm not. This is like, this is who I am. This is me and my future. And now I'm going to be that version now. So I accelerate the time. Oh my God, Regan, you have like hit the nail on the head. I could talk to you for hours, but I've literally just started living this life. I don't go to any events anymore that I don't want to. It doesn't Mm -hmm. feed my soul. I don't enjoy it. I don't want small talk. I don't have the energy for it. I'd rather have the energy at home. I say no to things and I've learned to say no. I couldn't say no before. So I think that's so powerful and such a great place to leave this that, you know, I think that is being authentic to yourself, growth, change. You know, I've been nine different women, I think, in my life. And I'm really happy where I am right now. And I don't need another black tie event to sort of, you know, prove myself (laughs) to anybody else yeah, or a cocktail party. So you won't be seeing me there. But anyway, (laughs) thank you, everybody, for joining Regan and I today. I could literally go on and on and on. I want to go home and like adjust my vision board now. Thank you so much for coming in because I know you're so busy and it's been amazing to have you. How does everybody find you and your courses? Because Regan does all these online courses so that if you want to hear more or learn more, she does coaching, which is actually amazing. So I I wouldn't mind doing one of your courses. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Everything's on reganhillier.com and it's Regan Hillier on all social media platforms. And if you find me on social, send me a DM and let me know you came from this show as well. Be amazing. Thank you for listening to another episode of Uncut and Uncensored with Caroline Stanbury. Thank you for listening. You can catch my new episode of my podcast every Wednesday. Please don't forget to follow so you don't miss any of the action. I want to hear from you, so leave me a rating and a review. Follow us on social for all the behind-scenes action and more information at Uncut and Uncensored by Caroline. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.